If you have a Bible, uh, I invite you to turn with me to John chapter 3, verse 16. Now, that's right, John 3, 16 is our verse this morning. We're going to start. Most of you probably know that verse. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. There's one on the seat in front of you. Verses are on the screen as, uh, yeah, right there. Uh, but if you don't have a Bible, uh, I encourage you to open up a Bible, a Bible app in John 3, 16. And listen, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love for you to take one home with you. After the gathering, it's a gift from us to you. We want you to have the Word of God. Uh, so please, please, please take one home with you uh, after the gathering. Now, this being Easter, the natural thing for us to do is simply look at why do we celebrate the life and the death and the resurrection of this person named Jesus Christ? Because what's the big deal? I mean, why do we celebrate the life and the death and the resurrection of this person, Jesus Christ, who, who lived and died over 2,000 years ago? Why is it so important for us today in 2019? Now, this being Easter, I'm aware that we may be uh, all over the place in regards to what we believe to be true about this person named Jesus. I'm not sure what your background is. I'm not sure when you came into this place and what your understanding of who Jesus is and, and what he has done. I'm not sure what that is. And I, and I know that there are several uh, different reasons that, that uh, may have led us into this place this morning. But whatever that reason is, we are glad that you're here. Because what we are going to see this morning is what we believe about this person named Jesus has major, major, major implications for us this morning. Because what we believe to be true about what Jesus Christ accomplished through his life and his death and his resurrection not only changes our lives today, but it radically changes our lives and what happens to us when we stand before our creator. For that day is coming. The day when our life as we know it on this earth will come to an end and we'll meet our maker. And what we do with the news about Jesus today, this morning, will determine what happens to us on that day. So my challenge and my encouragement for us this morning is that we would listen closely, not to what I have to say about Jesus, but what God has revealed to us in his word, the Bible. God has, is speaking to us this morning. So it's not my words, it is what the God of all creation has revealed to us this morning in his word. So may we do this, may we listen closely, may we cling and hang on every word that he tells us, and may we believe and receive what he has to say to us this morning, because truly, this morning is a matter of life and death. You with me? All right. John three sixteen. Let's read it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Let's pray. Father, we just simply ask that you would do your work, the work that you can only do, the work that we cannot do, and that is giving us spiritual eyes to see. And that is to raise spiritually dead people to life. And the way in which you do that is through the proclamation of the gospel, hearing the truth about Jesus, and creating faith and repentance in the hearts of us, that we may turn to Jesus and find life. May you do that for us this morning. For we understand and see that what we are about to talk about it's truly a matter 
of life and death. And so we ask that you would do your work, your amazing work, your miraculous work of giving life to us this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I read this story recently about Mayor LaGuardia. Anyone know who Mayor LaGuardia is? He's not the mayor of Norman. He was the mayor of New York City. And he was the, the mayor of New York City during the Great Depression and all of World War II. Now, Mayor LaGuardia was considered by many to be a very lively and colorful character. He used to ride the New York City fire trucks, and he would take entire orphanages to baseball games. And whenever the New York newspapers were on strike, he would go on the radio and he'd read the Sunday comics to the kids. But on one extremely cold night on January, in January 1935, Mayor LaGuardia went to the night court that served one of the poorest neighborhoods of New York City. And he goes into the night court and he dismissed the judge for the evening and he took over the bench. Now, within a matter of, of minutes, this poor uh, old woman was brought before him convicted of stealing a loaf of bread. And she told the mayor, she said, Mayor, my daughter's husband had just deserted her. And my daughter is sick, and I have two starving grandchildren. And that's why I start, uh, stole the bread, to feed my starving grandchildren. Now the shopkeeper from whom the bread was stolen refused to drop the charges. And he said to the mayor, he said, Your Honor, it is a very, very, very bad neighborhood. And this woman must be punished in order to teach people around here a lesson. Now, this deeply, deeply, deeply grieved Mayor LaGuardia. But he turned to the woman and he said, I have to punish you. For my law makes no exceptions. For the law makes no exceptions. Ten dollars or ten days in jail. But as he said this, Mayor LaGuardia reached into his pocket and pulled out a bill. And he threw it in his famous sombrero. And he said, here is the ten dollar fine, which I now remit. You're free to go. Now listen, ten dollars may not sound like much to us this morning. But it meant everything to this poor woman. Because what she didn't have, the mayor gave. And it purchased her freedom. And it was an extraordinary act of grace and compassion because the, the mayor did not have to do it, but because of his love for this woman, he gave. Guys, this Easter morning, we celebrate an extraordinary act of grace and compassion for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Guys, you see, all of us this morning are like this woman and we stand before a judge but not just any judge, not some human judge, but we stand before the great God and judge of this universe and we stand before him in desperate need of his grace and compassion. Why? Because this good and perfect and righteous and holy God sees and knows everything about us. Everything. He knows the thoughts that we have that no one else knows but us. And he knows the actions that we have done that no one else has seen but us. I mean, imagine just for a moment your whole life playing on a, on a huge screen and all the thoughts that you've ever had and all the actions that you've ever done were on display before you and a perfectly good and holy and righteous God. What would you see? More importantly, what would God see? To be honest with you, this is what I would see. I would see, looking at my life, countless acts of selfishness that I deeply, deeply regret and I'm ashamed of. 
I would see the daily pride of believing that I can make it in this life apart from God. I would see the numerous times that I've lied to get something I want or to get my own way. I would see one moment after another after another failing to acknowledge the goodness and kindness of God in my life. And I would see this foolish thinking that created things in this world would satisfy my deepest desires and deepest satisfaction. And I would see this life of pursuing these things and making them ultimate and forgetting God. God knows and sees all of it. There's nothing I can hide from him, and there's nothing that you can hide from him. And I stand before him, and you stand before him, guilty and ashamed as a result of our life, and without any excuses. We have no excuses. We have no justification for our thoughts and actions. I have nothing to cover the pride of my heart, and nothing to erase all the times that I've trampled on God's goodness and kindness in my life, and I stand before the great God and judge of this universe, and I hear him say these words to me, I made you to want me, but you've wanted everything else but me. I've made you to love me, but you've loved everything else but me. I have given you everything that you've had. I've given you every breath that you've ever breathed. But time and time again, you have failed to stop and acknowledge my goodness and kindness and stop to give me thanks. You trampled on my goodness. You trampled on my love. You trampled on my kindness. But I will not let my glory and my love and my kindness be trampled on. Because of this, I have to punish you because my law makes no exceptions. Truth is, we all, you, me, Every person that woke up this morning in the city and in this, this world, we stand before the great God and judge of this universe and we stand convicted of treason. We stand before him convicted of the crime of rebelling against our good and gracious God whose laws govern all of creation. And what's the punishment? It's not 10 days in jail. It's not a $10 bill, but death. We deserve to perish. For the wages of sin is death. The punishment that we deserve for breaking God's law is death, eternal death, eternal separation from our good and loving and kind and gracious and compassionate creator. Eternal darkness, eternal loneliness is what we all deserve. This is the bad news that we have to hear and understand and see in order for Easter to be good news. I mean, this is the verdict for all the world, for all of humanity, for you and for me, that we stand before God guilty of breaking his laws, and we all deserve the punishment of death. Let us sit in this darkness for a moment. Let us feel the spiritual reality and weight. Let us take a deep, deep look at our lives. Do you feel the weight? Do you see the darkness and desperation? When you look at your life, what do you see? Do you see your need for God's grace and compassion upon you? Listen, if we miss this, we will miss the whole reason of why we celebrate Easter. And we will miss seeing Jesus for who he really is. And who is he? Who is this person named Jesus? He is our freedom. You see, in the moment, guys, of our greatest darkness, light has appeared. In the time of our greatest desperation, a hope has come. When the verdict of death hangs over us and the only thing our future promises us is to perish, guys, God has done something extraordinary for us. He didn't have to. 
But God has done something so extraordinary that reveals and demonstrates his grace and compassion. God gave. God gave his priceless treasure. He didn't give a $10 bill. He gave his precious treasure, priceless treasure, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ gave up his life. Why? So we could have freedom. God gave his son. And his son willingly gave up his life so that we could have life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, whoever, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you do, whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's the promise. What a glorious promise. You see, like the convicted woman, a payment must be made, guys, in order to satisfy God's, God's law, the demands of God's law. That is the only way for us to be free from the verdict of death and have life. And there's only one payment that is sufficient to secure our freedom and give us the promise of life, and it doesn't come in the form of money. Money's not sufficient, and it doesn't come in the form of being a good person. Being a good person will never cause us to hear the words that we desperately need to hear. Here is the payment which I now remit. You are free to go. The only payment that is sufficient to secure our freedom, your freedom, my freedom, all of humanity's freedom is the perfect life and death of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. That is the only payment that's sufficient. Why? Because Jesus is the only human being who can stand before the great God and judge of this universe and hear him say, you and you alone are my perfect son whom I deeply love. You are the only one who has perfectly loved me. You are the only one who's been perfectly faithful to me. You are the only one who has perfectly obeyed all my laws and all my commands. Therefore, you are the only one who can satisfy the demands of my law. And I give you up. I give you up. My son, I sent you and I give you up. Why? To free my lost sons and daughters who rebelled against me, but whom I deeply, deeply love. I have always loved. I will never stop loving. I give you up your life, your death, so that they may have life. And the son did it. The son did it. The son gave up his life so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life, and the presence of God. And guys, this is how it happened. This is how it happened historically, history past. This is what Jesus did. John chapter 19. Not making this up. History. God has revealed to this. This is what Jesus did. John chapter 19, verse 16. This is how it all went down. So Pilate delivered Jesus over to them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to a place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him with two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. And Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city of Jerusalem. And it was written in Aramaic and Latin and in Greek. But the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I'm the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I've written, I have written. 
And when the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier and also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. And so they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots to, to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross was Je- of Jesus was his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Now when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. And a jar full of sour wine stood there, and so they put a sponge full of sour wine and a hyssop branch, and they held it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. Guys, on that cross over 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, willingly gave up his life for you and me. He didn't have to, but he willingly gave up his life, and he suffered and died upon the cross. The one who was not like us, the one who knew no sin, the perfect, spotless, obedient Son of God, gave up his body, and he was broken. He gave up his body, and he was flogged. He gave up his hands, he gave up his feet, and he was nailed to a cross. He gave up his reputation, and he was mocked. He gave up his honor, and he was spit on. He gave up his relationships, and he was alone. Why? To purchase your freedom. To purchase my freedom. The Son of God took our place, and He took our sin upon Himself, and He is the one who was found guilty for all of our transgressions, all the laws we've ever broken, and He was found guilty, and He died the death that we should have died. Why? So that we could be free. So that we could have life. The perfect life and the obedient death of the person of Jesus Christ is the only thing that can satisfy the demands of God's law. And because of Jesus and Jesus alone, because of his death, we can hear these precious words this morning from our gracious and compassionate creator. Here is my son. Here is your payment. You believe in him, you're free. Free from perishing. And free to have life, everlasting life, eternal life with me. Do you believe this news? Do you believe what God has done in history past over 2,000 years ago to free you, his lost sons and daughters? Have you ever said these words? Jesus, I have seen what you have done. And I believe who you say that you are. And I believe in what you say that you have done. That you who knew no sin took my sin upon yourself. And you took my place. I believe this promise of John 3.16. That whoever believes in you, I will not perish, but I have eternal life. And I receive your gift of eternal life. I receive you the eternal life. And I trust you with my soul and my body. You are my only hope in in this life and life to come. Have you ever said those words? you have to know that you're free for freedom doesn't come to everyone guys 
But freedom clearly comes to whoever believes. Do you believe? I believe, and therefore I am free. If you believe, then therefore you are free, free from perishing, free to have everlasting life, free to enjoy God forever. For whom the Son sets free, you are free indeed. Say with me if you believe, I am free. We are free indeed all because Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, came and he took our place. He gave up his life so that we could have life. It doesn't stop there, though. If it stops there, then the reality is we would have no hope. We would have no life. If Jesus is still dead, we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14, listen to this. If Christ has, been, has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is in futile, and you are still in your sins. So what this means is, guys, if, St- if Jesus is still in his grave, we should just pack it up and go home because there's no good news to proclaim. There's no news of salvation to proclaim this morning. I mean, if Jesus is still in the tomb, laying dead in his grave, then there is no freedom, there is no hope, there is no joy, there is no peace, because we are still dead in our sin and still need of a Savior. But, in the darkest time of human history, as the Son of God lay dead in his grave, God was doing something amazing in the darkness. He gave. He gave his son life. And this is how it happened. Matthew 27, verse 57. Listen to this. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. And he went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb, and he went away. And Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there, sitting opposite the tomb, watching what took place. And the next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, After three days I will rise. Therefore order the tomb to be made secure. Until the third day, lest the disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead and the last fraud will be worse than the first. So Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers, go and make it secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Now watch this. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. Imagine that. His appearance was like lightning, his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled, became like dead men. But the angel said to the, to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you see Jesus who was crucified, but he is not here. He is risen. And he said, come and see the place where he lay. And then quickly go and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. And there you will see him. And see, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran and tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet 
and worshiped him. And Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my, my brothers to go to Galilee and they will see me. Guys, Jesus was dead. He was dead. And a man named Joseph took the broken and bloody body of Jesus and he buried him. And a big stone was was rolled to to guard the entrance of of the tomb to secure it. But the Pharisees, the the religious leaders, they went to Pilate and they asked for the body of Jesus or the permission to guard the tomb of Jesus and make it secure as they can. They gave it their best shot, didn't they? But it was hopeless. Why? Why? Because in the darkest time of human history, when the Son of God laid dead in his tomb, God was doing something awesome in the darkness. He was securing our freedom. In the darkness of that tomb, light began to shine. And the dead body of the Son of God began to move. And air began to fill his lungs. And you could hear the sound of a beating heart. And where there was death in that tomb, new life was born. Whose life? Our life. Eternal life. All because the eternal life, Jesus Christ, was raised from the dead. And God gave him life. God, do you see what this means? It means that nothing. Hear this loud and clear. Nothing. No human being. No government. Not even death itself could stop God from securing your freedom and my freedom. From giving you life and giving me life. And what this means is, as now nothing in this life, nothing in this world, not even death itself, can take away what God has given to you. And what has he given to you if you believe? Life. Everlasting life. You can lose a spouse. You can lose a father. You can lose your career. You can lose everything in this world, but you can't lose this. Why? Because God gave us his son and God gave him his life and he conquered death so that we can have everlasting life. Nothing can take this from us. Nothing. We have victory today. We have victory tomorrow. We have victory the next day and the next day and the next day. And we have freedom today, freedom tomorrow, and freedom on that day when we stand before the great God and judge of the universe. And this morning and on that glorious day, when we see him face to face, we can hear these words, you are free. Free to have life with me. Free to enjoy me. Come and feast upon my love and grace and compassion forever. Guys, none of this would be ours. None of this would be ours today, tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the next day, if God had not given us his son. And if the son had not given us, given his life. And if God had not raised his son from the dead, but he did. God gave. God gave us his son. His son gave up his life. And God gave his son life so that we could have life. Do you see why we celebrate the life and the death and the resurrection of this person named Jesus? He is God's greatest gift of compassion. He is our freedom and he is our life. So the question I'll leave with you this morning is this. What do you believe about this person named Jesus? What do you believe? You've heard this morning 
that the person of Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal life. And I believe that God has taken some of you to this place for the first time this morning, seeing Jesus for who he really is. The one who came to purchase freedom and life for you. Oh, that you would cross over the chasm of death this morning and into the promise of eternal life with Jesus. Eternal life knowing the one who created you to love him and, know you, and to know him. The one who satisfies your deepest longings and desires. You can enter into this relationship with your creator this morning and receive the promise of eternal life. If only you believe and receive the person of Jesus Christ. Come and receive him. Come and receive the promise of Jesus for he is the eternal life and the only one who can give you the promise of eternal life. Will you say to him this morning, Jesus, for the first time, I see who you really are. I see what you have done. And I believe this promise of John 3, 16, that whoever believes in you will not perish, but I have eternal life and I receive you the eternal life and I trust you with my body and my soul. Forgive me of all my sin so that I can hear the word you're free to go to enjoy me. Will you believe? Will you receive? For God so loved the world, guys, that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. What an extraordinary promise. What an extraordinary God, amen? Guys, may we be like the women on, the, on that road, right? May we be like the women on that road, and may we take hold of Jesus by faith and bow at his feet and worship him for his grace and compassion upon us. For Easter is truly an extraordinary act of grace and compassion. For Easter is about our freedom and life, all because of the life and the death and the resurrection of this person named Jesus. Guys, he is everything. He is everything. And you may not see it right now. But one day that time will come where death is real. And you smell it. And you taste it. And this truth about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus is our only hope. It's our only hope. It is the only hope that sustains us in this life and the life to come. So hear loud and clear that if you believe and receive Jesus, you have the promise of eternal life this morning. And nothing, nothing, nothing can take this away, this, this away from you because Jesus is alive and he reigns over all things. Guys, this is the good news of the gospel. And this is why we celebrate this morning. We celebrate an extraordinary God who's full of love and grace and compassion. And we get to spend forever with him in his presence. All because of Jesus. He's worthy to be praised and worshipped. Amen? Let's pray.